Good morning, everybody. You know, somebody asked me this morning if I was still glad to be back. I love our church. I am so, so glad to be home. Uh, last week was my first uh, Sunday back in the saddle after uh, seven weeks being on sabbatical and doing some traveling. And uh, I, I just want you to know, it's, if I haven't seen some of you, I'd have said, uh, you know, hi, welcome. I'm glad you're here. If you're our guest today, I'm glad you're here with us as well. We're going to continue in our series we started last week uh, out of the book of James. And in fact, if you uh, brought your Bible, which I hope you do bring your Bible to church, you might want to open up to the book of James. If you don't have a Bible or you forgot yours, don't be embarrassed. Please just raise your hand real high. And our ushers have got a New Testament or Bible we'd love to have you use this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, you take this one home as our gift to you. We'll be in James, uh, the first chapter this morning. James is further back in the New Testament than you think. So find Hebrews and keep going right. It's uh, in the Bible's being handed out. The full Bibles is about 850, and the New Testament's it's around uh, 200, uh, the page number. But um, we started a series last week called Street Smart, and it's a topical, big idea walk through the book of James. And it's going to be a brief walk through. We're only going to do five weeks in this series. I could literally spend a year in that book. It's so full of wisdom and truth. As I mentioned last week, uh, we're calling this series Street Smart because it's full of practical wisdom. Wisdom that we all need to apply to our lives. In fact, even if you're not a Christ follower yet, and by the way, if you're investigating Christianity, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're on this journey. We want to journey with you as you look to discover who God is and what Jesus did for you. But this book is so full of practical wisdom and truth that it applies to all of us, and I mean all of us, even if you're not yet a Christ follower. What we're going to take a look at today will both challenge and encourage you uh, to, to be the kind of person that, that can be liked. In fact, the sermon titled it is How to Be Liked. Now, I occasionally meet people who say, I don't care what people think of me. Uh, but more often than not, I've never met anyone who didn't want to be liked by somebody. As humans, we're wired. We are wired for a relational connection. We weren't made to be all by ourselves. In fact, when somebody gets isolated or insulated, they usually get a little weird. What do we call those people? Hermits. They're not normal, and it's not healthy, and the longer they stay isolated, the weirder they get. And the Bible is clear on this. In fact, from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, all the way through, the Bible's clear on this. We were not made to be alone. God created man. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to give him a woman. And every man in this room knows it's good to have a woman. We need help. We need the support and the care and the, the companionship of others, the partnership of others. And again, though some may say, well, I don't really, I don't care if people like me or not. I am what I am. Th those people usually are saying that out of a woundedness they have. And I want to tell you today, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be liked. Think, well, how biblical is that to, to do a sermon called How to Be Liked? Well, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be liked, especially when it's birthed out of a desire to be in relationship with others. Strong and healthy emotional connections are actually good for us. Let me say it again. Strong and healthy emotional connections, relationships with people, it's good for us. John Orberg, who is a pastor and an author, one of my favorite authors, if you've not ever read any of his books, it's Ortberg, O-R-T-B-E-R-G, and he's an amazing author. And in his book, Everybody's Normal to Get to Know Them, which is a hilarious and wonderful book, uh, he quotes in that book a study done by the American Journal of Medicine. And what they did was they infected 276 people with the cold virus, uh, volunteers. Now, why you would volunteer to be infected with cold virus, I don't know. But they did this, and they did this study, and it proved something that 
that I found fascinating. They found out that people who have strong emotional connections with other people are four times better off at fighting the illness, fighting off the virus, fighting sickness, and they get healed much better, much quicker than those who don't have emotional connections. In fact, relationally connected people, and I'm not kidding, this is in the study, relationally connected people produce significantly less mucus than the relationally challenged subjects, which proves, by the way, that unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. <laughs> Sorry. We all want to be liked. We all want to be loved. And nowadays, there are all sorts of ways to get connected. I mean, there's Facebook, and there's Twitter, and there's Pinterest, and there's eHarmony, and there's Match.book.com. But all these, not Matchbook, what is it? Match.com. But they have all these different things, ways for us. We have never lived in a time where it's easier to be connected to other people. I just connected recently on Facebook with an old high school friend. I haven't seen him in 30 I won't tell you, a long time, long time. And it's, we've never lived in a day and an age where it was easier to be connected, relationally connected. But here's what else I've noticed. Our relationships are getting shallower and shallower sometimes. You know that Facebook friends are not really that deep friend, a friend? I mean, they might be, and that's cool if outside, but if that's your only friendship is on Facebook, that's not very deep. And the other thing I've noticed is that though we have all these opportunities to connect with people relationally, the truth is we are beginning to lose and lack, a lot of us lack, the skills for relating very well. And developing those skills is really important to healthy relationships. And so today, today we're gonna land on just one verse in James, James 1.19. And it is in this one verse, it contains incredible insight, wisdom, and some skills that we all need to put into practice that will help us be liked, help us in our relationships. James 1.19, look at it with me. My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this, everyone, that includes you, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James says, take note of this, which is a nice way of saying, wake up, pay attention, you need to hear this. This is important. And then he gets three things that are critical to healthy relationships. And the first one is the most important one, in my humble opinion. We must be quick to listen, quick to listen. In fact, of the three things mentioned in this verse, it's the only one we're told to be quick about. And why? Well, because listening is the best way to develop true and meaningful relationships. Listening. I want you to think about your best friend right now. Maybe it's the person sitting next to you. Maybe it's somebody uh, that you went, grew up with. Maybe it's somebody that you work with. Well, maybe it's me, I know. But think about your best friend right now. I guarantee you, I promise you, I know this to be fact. You became best friends with that person because you invested hours and hours into listening to them. That's how friendships are developed. In fact, even a quiet guy, a guy that's somewhat you know, inhibited perhaps in public, you know, when he's first dating and first getting to know that woman he's fallen in love with, man, they, you know, he talks, they wanna, they wanna hear each other's story. Now whether it's over coffee, sitting at the poolside, or playing poker together, you develop a fondness and a friendship by hearing another person's story. It's how we get to know each other. And so we say, hey, tell me, where did you grow up? Tell me, what was your family like? Tell me, you know, what do you like to do? We grow in our relationships as we listen to their story. Friendships happen and grow as we hear what they believe, as we hear what matters most to them, 
And it's not like we want punch through a, a checklist. Well, tell me what's most important to you. Yep, okay, cover that. Now tell me what really matters most. Oh, tell me what you believe about. We don't, it's just, it happens in the context of conversation with others. You listened and then you loved. That's the way it happens. You heard that person. You heard their heart. You heard what matters to them. You listened and then you love. A friendship was grown as you listened to their story and to their heart. I first saw Laura in high school, my wife down here. Um, I was a junior, she was a senior, she's a cougar. Um, just thought I'd mention that. Um, yes, she is a little older than me, but I first saw her sitting at the piano and choir. And I will be honest with you, I fell madly in lust with her. It, lust, I did say lust. I felt madly, I mean, it was, it, I was physically attracted to this gorgeous redhead, and I was, and at first it was just, oh my goodness, I gotta get to, I was young, what can I tell you? I, yes, I gotta get to know her. But I fell madly in love with this woman as I got to know her. How did I get to know her? Conversation, talking, spending hours together. We just celebrated a, a week ago our 38th wedding anniversary. And uh, yes, thank you. And she is still my best friend after all these years. You, you want to know why? Because we still invest lots of time listening to each other, talking, sharing. We listen well to each other. When you feel hurt, when you feel listened to, uh, you feel loved and you feel cared for. When you feel listened to, when you know one is actually hearing you and hearing your heart, that's when you feel valued and honored. On the contrary, people who don't listen aren't very likable. People who don't listen to others and they, all they do is talk all the time aren't really very likable. In high school, um, I also I worked for a grocery store for a while. In fact, about three years, first uh, year of college, last two years of high school. I was a night stalker. I'd go in at midnight or go in at four in the morning. I did this all the way through high school, by the way. This is before they had laws. I was a journeyman clerk by the time I graduated high school. If you know what that means, you know I worked way too many hours. In, in school. But I would go out four in the morning, work till eight, you know, go to Laura's house, have breakfast, and then go to school. But there was a guy on our crew, our Night Stalker. Now, when you're a Night Stalker, you work in your aisle. Anybody ever worked at a grocery store? Come on, let me say, wow. God bless you all. But I, you know, I, I, it's a great job. It paid really well, great benefits. But you work on your own. When you're a Night Stalker, you work in an aisle, and you're throwing product up, and you kind of look forward to breaks, because that's when you got to connect with the guys and the crew and the other people that were there. There's one particular guy on our crew, his name was Robert, and Robert loved the sound of his own voice. Uh, he completely monopolized conversations, and frankly, uh, he rarely, if ever, shut up. And he was a horrible listener. And let me just tell you, nobody really liked Robert. Why? Because he wasn't a good listener. Daniel Goleman, in his book, Emotional Intelligence, it's a great book, wrote that the single most important relational skill we can develop is the skill of listening. So what's the first and most important thing James mentions here? He says, be a good listener. Be quick to listen. Well, let's move on to the second thing James mentions. He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now by that, he doesn't mean slow in terms of your pace. If he meant that, I would be in big trouble because I talk very fast. What he means is, Slow to speak, meaning don't be too quick to jump in and say something. And one of the other truths, just again, being very practical, is it's really hard to be a good listener when you never shut up. And, and so he's saying be slow to speak because that's going to work really well with the first thing is be quick to listen. I mentioned uh, last week that the book of James is full of wisdom 
and it's one of the great wisdom books, I think, in the New Testament. The greatest wisdom book found in the Old Testament is the book of Proverbs. And I don't know how many hundreds of times I've read through the book of Proverbs. It has 31 chapters. In fact, I would give you just a little side note. It has nothing to do with the message. August 1st, every day in August, 31 days in August, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Every day in August, read one chapter. Start chapter one or wherever you want. If you're weird, you can start in the middle and go backwards. I don't care. But read one chapter of the book of Proverbs every day during the month of, of August. And I promise you, it'll encourage you. You'll be challenged and it will speak to your heart. But one of the most consistent themes in the book of Proverbs is this whole idea of controlling our tongue. James goes on, I think it's in verse 26 of chapter 1, and then most of chapter 3, he deals with our controlling our tongue. But Solomon, who's considered a wise king, deals with this topic over and over again in the book of Proverbs. And I'm just going to punch through very quickly some verses that I want to read to you. I'll try not to make too much of a comment on them so we can get to them pretty quick. But I just want you to hear the practical wisdom that Solomon wrote in Proverbs. Proverbs 11:12. 12. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds his tongue. And obviously he doesn't mean hold it that way. He means they watch their words. Proverbs 13, 3, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Can I get an amen? Practical wisdom. Proverbs 17, 27, and 28. A truly wise person, want to be wise? Here's the secret, listen. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. And I love verse 28. Even fools are thought-wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. So if you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer, the brightest bulb in the box, or whatever, just don't talk much. You'll be fine. People will think you're brilliant, is what the Bible says. Proverbs 18, 13. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Spouting off. Just giving your two cents worth without listening, the Bible says, is both shameful and foolish. Not too smart. Proverbs 18, 21. Love this verse. Some of us need to memorize this. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Those who talk too much will reap the consequences. Power of life and death is in our words. Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Solomon, who wrote these wise and inspired words, said basically, here's the deal. Don't talk so much. Shut your pie hole and you'll save yourself a lot of grief, if I could paraphrase. And how many of you have said something and the second you say it, it comes out of your mouth, the second it's there, you just wish you could take, you just like, oh no. Or you just want to take the words back. Anybody besides me ever said something? Yeah. As soon as you hear it coming out of your mouth, you know you, you just crossed the line. Have you ever, here's another one, ever reacted to someone's email uh, and, and the second you replied, the minute you hit that send button, you're thinking, where's the unsend button? Oh no. You just got this email that just ripped you and you're ready to reply and you do and then you hit send and it's gone. It's way too easy to unload on someone. Frankly, it's way too easy to give them a verbal enema and to do it via email. That's horrible. Several years ago, a family member who will go unnamed uh, wrote me an email. They were not happy with me. Sometimes people are not happy with me. Oh, well. And I got this really ripping email from a family member. And it, it, was, it was, in my humble opinion, completely unfair. And I was frustrated. And I, was, I was angry. 
And so I, I, I did something the Bible says not to do. Sometimes I sin, deal with it. The Bible, the Bible says, it talks about gainsaying. Gainsaying is when you are trying to get other people to come on your side against that person. Did you know that's what the Bible calls gainsaying? So what I did was I thought I hit forward because I was going to forward this email to another family member and, and try to get them on my side. What I actually hit was reply. Anybody ever done that before? I thought I was sending it to someone else. I was, in fact, sending it back to the person who sent me the nasty email. And I said all sorts of mean and ungodly things about that person. And trust me, I made matters about a thousand times worse than they already were. And a minute I hit it, I thought I had this sick feeling in my stomach. <gasps> and sure enough, I pulled up the, you know, the distribution and it was a reply. It was not a forward. I'm seriously starting to think that email is evil. And one of the reasons for it is because it's not very relational. Besides the fact that it's way too easy to crucify somebody with an email, because you can take the weenie way out and do it without any face-to-face -face confrontation. You, you actually, the, the problem with email is you don't hear tone and you don't see body language. I have told the staff, I have to remind them from time to time, do not tell me how you feel in an email. I don't want to hear it. I want to talk to you. My door is always open. Let's share. Let's converse together. Because emails, you know, emoticons aren't really that effective. You can put all the little happy faces that you want on an email. You know, it, but email, communicating via email is very difficult because you cannot hear tone and you cannot see body language. Let me give you an example. I can say to Sheldon, who's 18 today, Sheldon, I love you, man. Happy birthday. Or I can say, yeah, I love you. Happy, have a happy birthday. And it changes everything, doesn't it? Did you catch it? Some of you are like, what? I didn't get it. <laughs> Tone has a lot to do with communication. Body language has a lot to do with communication. And that's why email is not very effective. But I'll move on. The Bible says, be quick to listen and slow, very slow to speak because it's wise and way better for our relationships. In fact, one last gem about this from Proverbs 10:19. When words are many, sin is not absent. But the person who holds his tongue is wise. When you talk too much, sin is not far behind. And for the record, the less we talk, the more we can listen. You get that, right? I love the, the practicalness, the wisdom, the pragmatic wisdom of the Bible. If you're going to listen more, then you have to talk less. So what's the second most important skill that deals with here? Watch your words. Guard your mouth. Hold your tongue. Well, there's one more thing that James says here. And uh, in my past, I have really struggled with this one. Uh, if you guys have been around here for any length of time, you know I'm pretty honest, pretty raw, pretty real. Uh, by the way, I found out this week, completely, you know, side note again, that uh, my book's going to be released early, at least uh, sent to us early. I'm, I've oh, I've ordered one for, for every family in our church, and it's going to be uh, on me. So uh, books are coming, and they should be here mid-August, so that's pretty cool. I'm excited about that. But my book, when you read it, some of you are going to go, I knew he was an idiot. I, I, I can't believe, you know, this is our pastor. Because I, I've, I've written, it's 20, you know, plus chapters of lessons I learned the hard way. Things that I did, mistakes that I made. And I'm pretty real and pretty honest. And this is another one of those things that I've struggled with in my life. James says in James 1, 19, the last part of the verse, and be slow to become angry. 
quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, we all know what angry looks like, but I want to show you a brief video clip of some anger scenes from one of the greatest movies ever made. What about Bob? <laughs> Let's watch this together. Hey, do you know where my new toothbrush is? It's in the bathroom. Oh, I know it should be in the bathroom, darling, but it's not in the bathroom. Leo, honey, just because you're going on television tomorrow, well, this doesn't give you any right to be so snippy. It is not that that is making me snippy. It's him. Him who? Bob? Yes, Bob! Who else am I talking about? Shh. Why if he'll hear you? Well, so what if he hears me? It's my house, isn't it? Don't you get it? He faked suicide, huh? Well, isn't that a cry for help? What is the matter with all of you? Don't you understand? This man is crazy! I mean, for all we know, the guy could be a, 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 a mass murderer. <laughs> oh, come on, Leo. He's a sweet guy. He's perfectly harmless. Maybe a little neurotic, but, but not crazy. Don't you realize that everything he's done violates the doctor-patient relationship, and now he's in there with our son? I don't want to hear another peep out of this room. People are trying to sleep around here. Honey, it's just kids being kids. Well, tomorrow is the most important day of my career. Well, sorry. We'll stop. We just got carried away. It'll, it'll never happen again. I want you out of here by 6.30. Do you understand me? The camera crew is coming at 7. I want you out by 6.30. Sure. Would you like something for sleep? What? I have Valium if you need it. No, I don't need any Valium. Halcyon? Second all? I want some peace and quiet. Well, I'll be quiet. I'll be peace. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Leo Murray. Get out. No, we won't get out. We won't. You deserve it. I mean, get out! Is it something I said? You've ruined my life! You've ruined my career! You've ruined my book! You've turned a perfectly peaceful house into an insane asylum! Get out! Daddy! My God, Leo, what's gotten into you? It was a disaster, Faye! No, it wasn't! You were wonderful, you sweetie! You fine, Dad! Yeah! Why'd you need to kick Bob out of the house? You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Happy birthday, Leo. <laughs> Sweetie, we have a great big surprise for you. <laughs> Your sister Lily's here from Chicago. Happy birthday, Leo. Lily! <laughs> We're all here for you, Dr. M. This is your night. Don't touch my sister! Ah! I love that movie. Not a pretty picture, though. Those are some of the key anger scenes out of that. Uh, and I will humbly admit to you, I, I will be honest, I, in my life, at times, 
have struggled being a, react, a reactor rather than a responder. And if you're taking notes this morning, you might want to write this down. Responding is better than reacting, always. And at times, I have um, reacted in, in ways not quite perhaps that bad, but in angry ways rather than responded. I learned this skill, this unhealthy, non-relational skill from my dad. My father was quick-tempered. He was touchy. He was irritable all the time. He's always in a bad mood. And, and uh, we learned these things from the people who modeled him for us. And if you don't think it's, this is any big deal and you have kids in your house, I, 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 I beg you, understand how big a deal this is. Because what they're going to do is what they see in mom and dad. They're going to learn it from you. And how do you feel when you're around someone who's an emotional powder cake, ready to go off at the slightest spark, or, or people that you always feel like you have to walk around on eggshells? It's not fun. You like to hang out with those people? Not at all. And I'm here to tell you something you already know. Mean people are not fun to be around. And so to, if you want to be liked, be likable. And don't be so easily provoked. Ecclesiastes 7.9, Solomon again wrote these words. Don't become angry quickly, for anger lives in the hearts of foolish people. Don't become angry so quickly. And by the way, again, being slow to anger is, is related to the first two things that, that uh, James talks about. Being quick to, to listen and slow to speak. I was uh, flying home from Tel Aviv. I, most of you know I was in Israel for a couple of weeks. And uh, I had a flight from Tel Aviv to Amsterdam. And it was about a five-hour flight. And then I had about a 50, 55-minute window to catch my plane uh, in Amsterdam, which took me all the way to Portland before I had to fly from there home. And that was about an 11-hour flight. And I was a little nervous. I've flown quite a bit in my life, and I knew a 50-55 minute window was okay, I could probably make it, but I'd never been to Amsterdam before, never been to that airport. So I had no idea how big the airport was. You know, you go to Seattle, and you might, you might land in one terminal, have to go down, take the train to get to another one, and it could take time. Plus, the plane was a little late leaving Tel Aviv, so I was more than a little anxious. Didn't want to miss the flight. I was ready to come home. Didn't want to miss the flight from Amsterdam to Portland. So you know what it's like. The minute the seatbelt sign goes off, I'm on an aisle seat, which is where I like to sit, jumped up, grabbed my bag, and I'm standing out ready to go. I'm like row 16. Well, the entire flight, there were two guys <clears throat> right next to me, two Dutch guys, and they were obnoxious with everybody. The flight attendant didn't like them. I didn't really like them. They were drinking too much, and they were a little loud and not pleasant guys by any means. Any means, but anyhow, when I'm standing there, the little guy, there's, uh, the, the little Dutch boy next to me, he was on the other aisle, I'm in this aisle, and I kid you not, I am not making any of this up. I'm standing there ready to go. He takes his foot and he puts it around me and elbows me out of the way to stand in front of me. Now, I'm thinking, you know, he's probably in a hurry too. Not cool, he is a little obnoxious, but I'm, I kept my mouth shut, I promise you. I didn't say a thing. I thought, that's all right. And then he made some comment, and I said, dude, I'm just trying to catch a flight. I've got 50 minutes or so to catch my next plane, and yeah, I'm, I'm in a little hurry, sorry. I'm just I'm a little anxious about catching my next flight. His comment after that said, was, and I quote, you Americans are always in a hurry. My thought immediately after that was, if it were not for us Americans, you'd still be saluting a swastika, you little Dutch runt. I mean, I, <clears throat> and if you're listening to this, you're Dutch, please don't take offense. He just happened to be an offensive, offensive Dutch boy. So anyhow, I, I, um, 
I didn't say a thing. I still didn't say a thing. And I, and I, I thought, it's okay, it's cool, it's all right. And, uh, and then his buddy, his friend, who was now right behind me, so I'm in a Dutch sandwich. <laughs> the guy right behind me goes, I hope you miss your plane. Not kidding. And again, my thought was, oh, they were small Dutch boys. I could take them both. <clears throat> but I'm thinking there's probably, it was funny because, not funny, everybody around us, you just felt the tension go, because they all heard this and saw this. And I'm sure the air marshal is reaching for his gun. You know, he's, he's ready to jump in. And I'm thinking, boy, wouldn't that be good? You know, news at 11, pastor arrested on flight. <clears throat> So I just kept my mouth shut. I actually, I, I did, I, it would have been easy for me to explode, but I chose not to react. I chose to be slow to anger. It's a choice that we make. And we all have to deal with this in all our relationships. All of us. Your wife, your husband says something and boy, there's nothing like a spouse to push your button. Don't say amen. Don't look at your spouse, stop it. Nothing like a spouse who knows just how to say just what, and just boom, there's the button. You know, it's, it happens. A child, you know, leaves their bike out on the driveway for the hundredth time, and you're driving to, you know, from work after a long day, and you're tired, and you got to get out of your car and throw the bike across the yard, you know, and, and it, they push your buttons. A friend, a good friend, borrows something from you, and when you get it back, it's broken, that's kind of frustrating. An employee doesn't get a job done on time or doesn't do it right and they're kind of lazy and you know it. A neighbor lets her dog bark all night long. You know, we all have to deal with this in our relationships. And how should we respond rather than react in those situations? And again, I'm telling you it's better to respond than react. I'm not saying ignore stuff. I'm not saying put blinders on. I'm not saying just shove it under a rug and, 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 and you know, just take it. Not at all. But how do we respond? Well, the first thing we do is we need to listen. And how does that apply in a situation like this when they've pushed my button? Well, one of the things that's helpful is to listen to the story behind the story. Here's a little insight for you. Sometimes the issue is not the issue. Sometimes whatever is, you know, at the surface or is happening, that point of tension is really not the root issue. It's not the, the thing that's happening. And often we need to just stop and think, what's going on? Why is this person doing this right now? And we often need to put that person's needs before our own. Maybe they've had a bad date. Maybe something happened in their life that's really been devastating to them. Putting the other person's need before our own changes our hearts and our attitude. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians 2, 4. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Romans 12, Paul says, honor others above yourselves. And this is so countercultural. This goes against everything in our culture right now where it's watch out for number one, take care of numero uno, you know, get your rights, be sure you take care of yourself, you know, forget the rest of the world, but that's not the call of the kingdom. Here's another little powerful relational secret. When you ask the why, it will help you die. And then what, what did he say? Yeah, when you ask the why question, it will help you die. And by the way, we are called as Christ followers to die. To die to ourselves, to die to our demands, to die to the things that, that tend to create tension. Next week, we're gonna talk about how to deal, resolve conflict, conflict resolution. And I'll address this again. 
But when I stop to consider what is going on in that person that just pushed my button, when I stop to think about why are they being so mean? Why, what's going on? Are they reacting perhaps out of their pain? Often I realize in that moment that there's something deeper going on. And what it does is it gives me perspective and it gives me compassion. It changes my heart. Here's another insight, another relational secret I want to give you. Take your anger to God. By no means am I suggesting just stuff it and shut up, you know, and, and, and I, what I have learned, and you see it in the psalmist, and David did it, is go to God. Take your anger. He can handle it. Take your anger to him. Be honest with him. And then pray for that person that has wounded you so deeply or said that thing that just cut you so badly. Pray for them. You know, it's really hard to explode on somebody and to react to them when you've been on your knees in prayer for them. And so what's the third and most, you know, and most important skill here that James gives us? The third important skill is avoid being a hothead by getting more of God's heart. Get on your knees, pray for them. And ask God the Holy Spirit to show you what's going on here. What's really happening? And maybe it's something you did. Maybe it's a pattern of things you've done. And I love saying, God, show me where I need to own my stuff in this. Show me where I'm wrong. Humble, humbleness, humility, means we start right here. We don't start here. I can't believe what you've done. We start here. Oh, God, open my heart. Open my eyes. What have I perhaps done or said? Or what didn't I do? And then, Lord, show me what's going on in this person. Give me understanding. Give me insight. Give me your heart for this person. One of the realities, one last story and I'll be, I'll be done. But one of the realities of being in leadership, and that's at, at any level, if you're a project leader at your place of employment, if you're a boss, if you're a, a leader of a family, leader of a company, leader of a, a church, any leader knows this to be true, that at times you get to be the lightning rod for complaints. You're going to be the one that people, are, when they're unhappy, they're going to go to you. Some time ago, I had a woman um, email me, then she uh, called and left me multiple voice messages that were uh, not very kind. And um, I knew that we needed to talk, and before that, though, I began to pray. I said, God, uh, show me, tell me what's going on. Let me see what's happening here in her heart, and, and, or in, in my, what do I need to do? And some of her concerns, some of her complaints, they were legitimate. We don't like to own it. And, you know, here's my belief. It's never 100% the other person's fault. Never. Might be 99%, 90, 80, 50. I don't, you know, but it's, it, I have never seen it always be the other guy's fault 100%. So I started with, God, show me what's, and, and there were some things that were legitimate that I needed to address. And she was right. Whole bunch of stuff that was illegitimate and not accurate. And I, she was coming in to meet with me. I had an appointment to sit down and talk with my office and, uh, and I, I knew she was going to come unglued, that it was not going to be a pretty meeting. And I started praying for her. And I kid you not, I said, Lord, show me. Show me what you see. Show me, give me your eyes for this woman. And in that moment, just like that, I remembered a time, in fact, it was in our old auditorium, where she came down front for prayer, and she shared a little bit of her story, and I prayed with her, and I remember, and it's like this tape is replaying in my mind as I had just prayed, God show me, and I realized that, that she, she told me in that encounter, she said, I have been abused and hurt deeply by not just one, but every man in my life. That's what she said. Abused and hurt deeply by every man in my life, all the way back to my father. 
And when I remember that, and I kid you not, guys, I started to weep for her. And it changed my heart. It changed my attitude. Now, did that mean I ignored where she was wrong and just let her go off? No. There came a moment where I spoke the truth in love to her. But I did it in a way that James encourages us to do it. I was quick to listen. She came in, and for almost 25 minutes, I just sat there and listened. I was slow to speak. I didn't, you know, sometimes when people are talking, we're thinking about what we're going to say. We're not really listening. We're, you know, loading the gun, ready to give them both barrels as soon as they take a breath. I didn't do that with her. And I was slow to become angry because I had an insight into something that God gave me what was going on with her. I listened more, I talked less, and I didn't get angry. So let me finish with this. Ready? Talk about pragmatic and practical. Here it is. Who is pushing your buttons right now? Who at work, in your neighborhood, in your family, is just pushing every button in you? I want to encourage you, ask Jesus for his help. Ask him to give you his heart. And I want to challenge you to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because Jesus knows what it means to take blows, to take the hits, to take the strikes. Go to him. If I had somebody pray for you. Father, <clears throat> I love your word. That is so filled with practical wisdom. And I pray right now that you would encourage us by the simple verse, the simple truth, God, that we need to be um, wise people who are quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Help us to become like that, Lord. And some of us are reactors. There, some sitting in this room, they're just like me. Our natural tendency is not to flight, it's to fight. And I pray, God, that you would help us to become responders, to be more like you, Jesus, in our relationships. And that you would help us to develop healthy, wholesome, holy relationships with others, and that we would be more like you. If you're here today, and keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute, and you've not yet started your walk as a Christ follower, but you're ready, and you know it's time, and you're thinking, man, I, I, I need God's help. You said, be more like Jesus. Well, I, I, want, it, I want to. Now, how do I get there? Well, it starts by entering into relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. And then you have the Holy Spirit who indwells you, fills you, comes inside to live within you, to empower you to be the man or the woman you could never be on your own. And if you know you want to begin your life as a Christ follower, as a disciple of Jesus today, and surrender to him, then just make this simple prayer yours right now. Father, thank you for sending Jesus for me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my sin. And I believe that you're alive and that you want to live in me and through me. And so right now, right here, I surrender all that I am. My past, my present, my future, I surrender it all to you. I say yes to you. I want to follow you. And so take my life. Here it is. I'm yours. If that's you in your heart, in your own way, just say, yep, God, that's what I want. And the Bible says the moment you do, you become a child of God. You're his now. Lord, for those making that decision in this room or listening online or on the radio later, God, show them what it means now and what you're going to do in them and through them. By your grace, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with one last song of worship. And um, we're going to give. 
I want to remind you that our giving is an act of worship. Now, if you're a guest today and you uh, don't want to give, please don't feel obligated by any means to do so. But I want to encourage you to give today as an act of worship to God as we sing together. I'll come back and wrap it up. Hey, just a couple of things before you go. To begin with, if you today uh, prayed that prayer, you made the decision to become a Christ follower, let someone know, let me know. Come, the prayer team will be down front. Come pray with them. If you need prayer, come down. But pick up by the table, on the tables, uh, by the doors, there's a packet for new believers. Got a Bible, some material to get you started in your walk with Jesus. The other thing I want to ask you guys uh, to do this week is to pray uh, really intensely for the staff. Um, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, Nate Harris, his dad passed away on Friday, and uh, he's been down in Eugene, and he was able to be there before his dad passed. But uh, Brian's doing better, but he's still not 100% physically. Jeremy, our facilities guy, he's very sick right now and seriously ill with some things they haven't been able to diagnose yet, so pray for him. Uh, we've got the Guatemala team coming back um, late Monday night. So be praying for the staff, pray for the church, pray for one another, but uh, the battle rages. So I encourage you guys just to stand with us in prayer. And my challenge to you this week is go. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today.